Okay, um, good evening. It's late on the East Coast, but earlier in both Colorado and uh, Portland. And I'm here with two of my favorite primary care physicians, um, Sue Woods, who is a general internist um, at the Department of Veterans Affairs, who is uh, available online at her blog at um, www.sharedhealthdata.com. And on Twitter as Sue Woods, S-U-E-W-O-O-D-S. Say hello, Sue. Hi. Good to, good to hear your voice. And in Colorado, Paul Ann Balch, um, family physician who also tweets at BPBMD2. Uh, and are you in Boulder, Paul Ann? I am. Welcome both of you today. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Um, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, both of you are very active in, in your fields um, in the area of empowering patients, delivering um, really useful services to them. And you also practice and you just you just do a lot of this space. And I got to see you recently when you were in Maryland at the um, M Health Summit. And I just wanted to talk to you and get your thoughts on, um, you know, what did you see there? What did you think? And what do you think the state of M Health is is at today? Let's go first. I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so <clears throat> in the Old Testament, there's a story of Noah and the ark. You guys remember that story? Yes. Yeah. So when Noah was told to build the ark, he was standing on dry land. Uh, and it just had, had this epiphany that the ark, when you listen to the at least the carriers who bookended the conference, um, Qualcomm and Verizon, the ARC is the cell phone. And we don't even, we can't even imagine the world that the cell phone is going to be the hub of. So I, I, you know, I think that we can't, we can't, and it's clear to me that they perceive that health is simply one of the services that will eventually yield to the cell phone and be part of the services that we all we all um uh enjoy through our cell phones so anyway that's kind of my one of my big takeaways from the conference is that is do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing i think it's an is thing i mean i think i think the 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 availability the immediacy of of content and connection whenever and wherever we are is is the new reality and if you're not including that reality in the services you provide you will slowly become extinct so um i i personally love it but i i you know you don't travel anymore without a phone in your hand and so there's a certain era of transportation and communication that's over and a new one that's uh, been born so well, I think it's very exciting, and I think it'll be particularly exciting for um, healthcare to be able to be delivered in such a simple format. And Sue, how do you see it? What was your experience? Well, I think it's great that um, that health is moving into the mobile device arena. It's absolutely essential because because people are buying smartphones instead of. Uh, computers and laptops, um, so we need to stay on the edge of where people are. I think it's exciting because um, these devices 
are with people uh, in the part of their lives, unlike their, you know, computers. Um, they're with people. So they're the opportunity to engage with people and for, um, for people to have information and access to services when they need them is just the immediacy that, uh, that Paul Ann described, I think, is really key. Um, I think the, at the summit, the Mobile Health Summit, I mean, clearly the energy, um, you know, is pretty palpable about these kind of opportunities. But there's, you know, there's a lot of, we're still in that sort of hype zone right now, um, you know, developing cool tools. I think we have to be, I think we should be uh, making sure that we use the simple, like don't forget the simple, stupid, um, and the phone part of the smartphone. Uh, we could do a lot more uh, with just simple connections. And then the, la the only last thing I would say, I think um, while it's exciting uh, and the opportunities are just really large, um, the more mobile uh, devices come and connections come, I think the, the more nervous clinicians may get um, because they think that people will, you know, want to connect with them. So it's sort of... Everything always has a good side and a bad side of the same thing. Let me ask you guys about that. You know, you both have you what you both have in common is you work in integrated health systems, where the true advantage is everything is truly interconnected. Um, you know, part most of the attendees at the health summit are not from. I don't think we're from integrated health systems. Do you think that is a an advantage or disadvantage in terms of connecting to all the connections you both already enjoy in your practices? You think you mean is the cell phone an advantage for integration? Well, so I mean, you talk about the fact that people are connected via mobile phones, and both of your health systems are, are already very tightly integrated within themselves. And here you have an external someone on a cell phone. Do you think it's going to be really hard to plug that into this integrated system, or do you think because you're already integrated, it's going to be really an advantage? I, I think that the challenge is is going to be shifting from integration at the level of bricks and mortar. To the to integration at the level of information services, it's going to require for whoever is the leader in the next ten to twenty years to have made a huge upfront commitment in um, in disciplining uh, existing uh, business processes to um, be able to leverage those for the cell phone. I mean, we're looking at that right now, and in Kaiser and the shelf life of an app is is seconds if if uh, if the data that's rendered is not accurate. So, um, you're in the mobile world. You're you, you're you're either there for me, or you're not there. And the layers of for me have to do with personalization. So, I, I think that it's going to be a, a a cultural transition, even for integrated systems, to get it that the work that we do is really an information. It's provision of an information service to our patients. And our members, and so um, I, I think the jury's out. I think that there are a lot of competitors that are currently reverse engineering integration through claims. We know you because we know what bills we pay for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's going to be a race to get to that true center of um, what people need when they need it, reflecting the services that they need, 
And I don't think that the culture of integration that has been true of bricks and mortar in our world necessarily translated the experience of integration in the hand is Aetna gives me everything I need. So, so do you think um, do you think healthcare is up to the task compared to other industries? <laughs> I sure hope healthcare is up to the task. I mean, they have to make the right decisions about what they design. Um, and I think that there are some sweet spots between uh, the intersection between the business needs of the systems and the needs of the, you know, the patients, the consumers. Um, and those sweet spots, a lot of them have to do not so much with um, clinical care, but just getting information. So if the systems make decisions, um, to develop tools that get people information where they don't have to call and find out how do I blank, uh, how do I get information about, you know, this facility or that provider or how do I find out about my labs, and it doesn't require a human being to provide that service, there's a true business case there for the system. So I I do think there's an opportunity there. But, again, it all comes down to what the system decides to um, put its development uh, and time into. No, I, did you think um, – so there's the aspect of, you know, how do I interact with my health system for everyday transactions. I got a, sense, a little bit of a whiff of there being a lot of emphasis on behavior change when I was there um, using mobile. Where, where I mean – how what's the state of affairs there is it does it look good do people does it look we're on the right track are we far away from from being successful there what do you think i, I think very i i think we're we're at the very 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 infinite infinite very very beginning stages i mean there were some there are some people there who understand the complexity of behavior change and understand the social context the the um very idiosyncratic uh, aspects of it, timing aspects of it. Um, I think that the the two carriers, Qualcomm and Verizon, certainly correctly see it as a tremendous potential for paying for many things that we uh, we need by conquering chronic problems, chronic health problems. But I think the science of behaviors, it's, we're a long way from truly integrating the subtleties and science of behavior change into um, into mobile platform. I think though there are a lot that there a lot of the conceptual work that's going on is exciting. Mm-hmm. Do you want- I, I agree. I agree with that. I would say we're a little better than primordial at this point. Yeah. Um, the 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 summit I think had some glaring uh, holes. Uh, people who who weren't there, representatives of systems such as Group Health, Humana, who are already out there um, and their apps are being used. Um, They have a lot of lessons learned already, uh, and they were not represented at at the summit. So um, I think it was tilted towards um, vendors as far as I'm concerned. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, based on what you saw and what, you know, you're both 
primary care doctors, you work with these patient populations in the small picture, big picture. What would you tell an entrepreneur, a designer of, of some of these apps? Like what, what are things that you saw that they are not doing that they should do more of or things you saw that they're doing really well that should, they, they should do more of? I, I think they need to go back to, well, I shouldn't say go back to, but I, again, I'm going to stick with the basics. Um, Starting with the consumers and the patients and the caregivers, uh, you have to start with them and, and how to meet their needs. There's a lot of interest in behavior change and doing interventions and chronic disease. But again, you know, people don't wake up, you know, a person with diabetes doesn't wake up and say, oh, I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing an interactive uh, educational uh, self-management app for my diabetes, they wake up and say, oh, I'm running out of my medicine or I need uh, an appointment uh, or I need to help my mother get an appointment. So the developers, I think, need to make sure they use a really rigorous user-centered design and start with the premise that they're meeting people's needs. Did, you, did either of you get the sense, I was there, I got the sense, I was there for a short time, not as long as both of you were. I got the sense that the developers are pretty savvy. I was actually really impressed that they, like just kind of what you said, Sue, that they realize that's not the answer. Do you think, and, and, and that maybe they need to partner because they don't know where to get that kind of perspective you're talking about? Did you get the sense too that they kind of see what the limits are? Either oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't remember the vendor, but there was um, uh, there was a group that was that had developed some tools for adolescents, and uh, they were just fantastic. They were really engaging, intuitive, um, fun, um, and there were some there were some speakers. Um, ben Sawyer from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's Games for Health talked about how we really need to connect the dots. We really need to connect the folks who are doing development and know how to make things engaging and fun with the systems and the and the people who sort of have the health data. If we could just like connect that, that's like that's like solid gold. You both you both seem into I think it sounds like you both sounded optimistic and enthusiastic about what you saw. Um, I, I was, I, 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 I thought the energy was great. I think there's, this is a time in history where there's a great recognition of the potential for a device that connects people with content and each other to improve uh, the health of the species. But the vision and the application uh, has a long way to go to get there. Do you tell me about your patient populations real quick? Do you, do you see the patients you take care of using um, mobile for their health in your practice? Well, I'm my um, when you look at the Robert Ward Johnson work on healthy communities, I'm in I live in the third healthiest community in the state, and I work in the thirty eighth healthiest. Wow. So there is a much higher um, uh, Latino and um, poor. Uh, population in my practice. 
I see, I probably, uh, everybody has a cell phone of some kind. Um, I would say the smartphones are maybe 10% in my patient population. Okay. So the ability to leverage some of these tools for their health. But what, one of the things I've started doing is every cell phone has some kind of an alarm, has a, t- has a clock in it. And I just said to a kid today who has sprained her ankle, uh, I wanted her to do uh, her ankle exercises twice a day. And she said, well, I, I don't know. I could even do it once a day, much less twice a day. I said, well, do you have a cell phone? She said, yeah. I said, yes. I said, well, set an alarm. And then she perked up. Really? So I, I think making people aware of the potential, the tools they have for their health. And this is another issue, Tim, Ted, that, I think the doctors aren't thinking this way. We're not thinking in terms of of what tools do people have at their disposal now and and the cell phone as a tool for health. And that's a great example. That's very innovative. It's um, it's kind of like, um, you know, asking your patients, do they use these tools, which starts the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Sue, what about what about the veteran population? What do you see there? Well, we are um, we are just standing up at the VA uh, a mobile health strategy, um, and you will be hearing more about that uh, in the coming year. Um, and it's very exciting because uh, we are interested in actually developing apps ourselves uh, along and developing apps uh, with partners. Um, as far as um, I'm in primary care in uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, uh, a lot of my patients I communicate with online using secure email. Um, they love it. I love it. <laughs> I, tra- I travel a lot, so I really love it. Um, so I can keep connected um, and, and, and accessible. Um, I ask everybody about their access. Um, it's hard. We don't have real solid data on uh, on what our patient population has in terms of devices and technologies, but having um, people who are more rural uh, and um, different uh, socio-demographic backgrounds, our rates of uh, smartphones are are definitely going to be uh, lower than the national population. On the other hand, we have large populations coming in uh, from our from our new, uh, you know, military members who are coming into the system. So um, I suspect that they're uh, going to be using cell phones and certainly smartphones more. So this is interesting. It sounds like um, <clears throat> there is a, a, a lot of growth that's going to happen. So, Paul Ann, you know, you work in an area where they put 10% penetration. Sue, their penetration is starting to happen. Um, I guess it's important. So and that combined with your impressions of where we are at behavior change, sounds like we are a lot earlier than people really think, I guess. And um, we're going to see a lot of growth. We actually have room for a lot of growth in the next couple of years. Well, you know, Ted... Fifty uh, percent of the cell phones sold this in the next year will be will be smartphones, mm-hmm. and I think um, with the potential to sell sell advertising, it's almost cheaper to give people the cell phone. And between the subscription fees for the for um, the band 
and what uh, you can earn through advertisers selling your wear their wares on your phone. It's it's almost a throwaway to have the phone. The hardware is just going to be increasingly. It was going to be cheaper and cheaper, delivering more and more service. And um, I, I think that for in terms of planning for health, we we really need a course right now for physicians about how to get people uh, to use their cell phone to help them remember to do things. Uh, you, you mean people have a calendar that's with them all the time, and doctors aren't thinking that way. Yeah, they're great. still think they're they're still thinking. You know, you want health? You come you come to me. You live with waiting for me. You live in our system. We don't think about the, the tremendous resources that people have around them. Yeah, you know, that's a great segue for both of you because you're as Sue you mentioned, Paul Ann, you've been doing this for a long time. You regularly email your patients. You regularly share information with patients. There was a right. The, a paper from the Open Notes Project and a paper that you co-authored to just came out yesterday about people's feelings about transparency. You are probably in the minority of physicians in the United States and maybe in the world, um, and you're surrounded by professional colleagues that are just. This is a you know uh, just starting to happen. What would you tell a currently practicing physician about this new world, and what do they need to know about that's coming for them? Both the transparency and the and the access. What's your advice? Well, <clears throat> I, I will say this, and I will say it this way because doctors are competitive and adaptive. Okay. Um, change is more like a titration than, than a geometric progression. And as the environment ripens and ripens and ripens and ripens, there'll be that, that final drop that fundamentally changes the pH. Um, you know, it's like the, the, the stages of a truth uh, our ridicule, opposition, that's Schopenhauer, ridicule, op opposition, apparently obvious. We are simply in a milieu right now where the change is, I think, going to create an asymptote of uh, awareness that if I am not, like I said earlier, if I am not talking through the cell phone, I am not going to survive. I will not be uh, one, of the, one of the two by two that made it on the ark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think that it's it, it, right now. There's there's a lot of of vestigial uh, habits and traditions that are are surviving. It will probably go on for some time, but the life and I, and I think the other asymptote that the, the other element um, uh, of the titration will be when these exchanges go through, in fact, which fundamentally changes the way private health insurance is sold in the country. I think that's going to be a huge moment. And doctors who get it, that you can stay connected with your pa patients uh, with a smartphone, um, are going to be much better positioned than uh, doctors who are still thinking in the old bricks and mortar and paper world. Interesting. So the, you used the Noah's Ark um, analogy. Sue, you and I had a little banter in my blog and <laughs> used, used the prime directive analogy. And they're both somewhere. Can you explain that? And um, I actually misread what you wrote on the blog. So let's let's clear that up and... Um, have you correct the uh, what you said, or correct what I said? Well, actually, your two your two questions are really the same. One question about how do you you know get doctors to clinicians to you know change, um, and uh, <laughs> the prime directive for for Star Trek was that you can't go in and change a culture, the culture has to change on its own. You can provide some context 
But when you know, I work in informatics. But when I think about any health professionals and and the few, you know, the, we're moving rapidly to uh, a new state of virtual care and using these tools. I can't make anyone uh, see differently or think differently. And frankly, I think it's going to be the patients mm -hmm. who, uh, in their stories and in their communication and in their behaviors, will will be the change uh, and will create the palpable change where clinicians will then sort of see it, see it on their own. And I'll give you an example that um, that I uh, experienced. Uh, we've been interviewing. There, there was a time when the VA opened uh, their records to thousands of patients at in multiple sites. Um, it, it's no longer the case, although we're moving back towards that eventually. Uh, but in one of my uh, interviews with the patient, um, he noted that um, there was an x-ray report that said there were some abnormalities. They weren't really sure what it represented, but the radiologist recommended a follow-up x-ray in six months. And uh, he gave the story that, you know, six months came and went and not a peep from the clinician or the health system about a repeat x-ray. Um, and so he initiated the repeat x-ray. Now, w would that have happened um, had he not done that? And so when people think about, for example, full access to records and patients, you know, reading their records and seeing their ex records, they're not thinking in comparison to what? Mm -hmm. how, how does that change things in comparison to what exists now? And what exists now is, you know, we don't feel, we don't see, we don't palpate all the stuff that doesn't get done, mm -hmm. uh, all the things that go missing, all the feedback that doesn't happen because things fall through the cracks. And to me, uh, what will happen is that people will, uh, clinicians in particular, physicians in particular, will really start understanding and appreciating on their own the tremendous value of moving towards shared access. Well, shared, shared access and, and, and just a, a more participatory care model where we're partners, not <clears throat> I'm kind of the, uh, the autocrat. And both it's of you, very, it's a very different model. Shared care is a very different model. And I know both from your both of your work that, uh, in fact, you know, you have pursued this approach. You know, I've, I know that both of you have done a lot of work on educating your colleagues as the system changed, and you've kind of set a standard for, you know, you, you know, you, sit, you said previously, Sue, from from getting people to do things to, um, you know, promoting their engagement so that they can listen to their patients better and do what their patients want. It's, <laughs> it's a little easier to, I think it's going to be easier to open access our records than it is going to be to change how we communicate. Really? You know, we get taught, we get taught in a very didactic, you know, mm -hmm. way. Uh, we get, we have role models 
uh, who, you know, we have faculty members who work with students and residents in a very didactic way. And so, you know, it sort of comes pretty natural to be lecturing your patients. Uh, well, that's, that's a good segue to the idea of the physicians in training. So, you know, I mean, is the new generation, you know, ready for this revolution? Um, are they bringing the sensibilities of their, of their um, peers into it? Or do we need to worry? Well, every generation worries. You know, this is kind of like the mother watching the kids standing at the fence. The, 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 the kid is, has their hands and they're standing up looking over the fence. The mother sees the kid almost throwing themselves over the fence. Both of them perceive it themselves as standing at the both perceive it as standing at the fence. I mean, um, it's going to be different. But when you when you I mean, one of the overwhelming. Let's just give me an example. Um, as you know, two years ago, a researcher in our region in Colorado, David McGid did a study showing that home blood pressure monitoring, that it's uploaded by a USB to a website and managed by through protocol by a clinical pharmacist, had a 38% better improvement of blood pressure control than, than, than customary care. It was a very well done study. Mm-hmm. In, the, in, the, in the two years since this study was done, First of all, it's not been duplicated. Second of all, when we've looked into do, into making it standard of care in our region, we focused just on blood pressure and 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 the challenges of of getting a cuff that would uh, you know be easily used and accessible. Blah blah blah. In the meantime, Qualcomm has announced its hub, its little <clears throat> hub that integrates USB input from all sense devices. Uh, blood sugar, blood pressure, pulse ox, bathroom scales, etc. And the and, and and the and the universe is just exploding in terms of this biometric measurement capability. So the the notion of feedback, which is a critical piece of behavior change, is is radically changing from this once a week visit with a doctor to now this daily to then, then the daily communication with your sense device to this minute by minute feedback potential we don't have the models yet to know what 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 how doctors manage in this context um and if we're not learning partners we are not going to be on the boat do you th- do you think on the kids standing on the fence continue that analogy do you think the kids standing on the fence that there's a at least one child in that on that side of the fence that's going to come out with a breakthrough that we haven't met. You know, is the um, the Larry Page in waiting in there somewhere? The Jonas Salk of feedback. I I, I absolutely think that Ted. I mean, I, I, and I think that right now it's you know my my take on all the vendors at the conference were they 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 all have a great idea how repli- how replicatable it is. Uh, and how many steps in the process it, it endures through is really the question. And they, you know, when you think of the two systems we represent, integrated systems, everybody would like to play in our in our pond because we have all the connections lined up. So we may not be the first to to get it right, but when we do, we will be the first to scale. And I, I you know, I think that's 
I think that that buys you some time in terms of what you try and and what you need to do to get it right. Does that speak, and you know, Sue, you work with residents. Does that speak to us, you know, our generation really needing to mentor and find, you know, in a, in a different way than in past generations? We really need to find those people that can build a new model that hasn't existed before? I don't know if we have to build a new model. I just, I think we need to make sure that we bring in all the things that are happening um, outside of our training programs, inside our training programs. So things that, you know, Plain Tree is doing as far as getting, you know, patient participation and uh, involved in quality improvement processes, uh, because that changes, that changes everything. You know, making sure that um, that the residents are using the same tools um, that you know the rest of the staff is using, so that we're not creating um, sort of disparities from a patient population standpoint, where uh, patients cared for by residents get different kinds of exposure to you know. <clears throat> to care versus those who aren't. I think we have to work hard at that. Um, I, I am, I am, I am, I'm excited about the younger generation in general. Uh, you know, I have two teenage boys. I think it's interesting. They have an interesting combination of um, cynicism and tolerance, um, which I think will play out very differently in terms of how they care for people. So I think, you know, uh, sharing information, I think, clearly comes very naturally for them. So I think they'll pick up the use of electronic tools without any issues. On the other hand, the only, probably the only thing I worry about is the attention span. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, with all the sort of stimuli, I, I worry about whether they can be really present when they do have face-to-face -face encounters and they really um, can develop that trust that needs to happen. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're not going to get sort of better, better outcomes. And, you know, maybe on the flip side, um, as they take care of people that are in their generation who have attention span issues, the physician of the future actually may, may be very differentiating because that, that professional role will be... Um, one of their biggest assets in society will be that they actually listen to people, right? So you'll go to see a physician, you're a generation Y person, you're used to having very short bursts of communication, for example, and you go to a physician that actually sits down and because of technology actually has more time with you because all the other stuff has been offloaded. So they sit down with you for 30 minutes, you know, full, full and which you may never get in, the, in any other part of your life. I mean, it could well, be that our tool is listening more than technology. Maybe. Well, and I'll, I'll come back to the health system, though, and what the health system says its decisions are going to be and how it designs how the care is delivered. Uh, you know, if they put a lot of <clears throat> uh, weight on specific performance measures and doing specific labs, you know, uh, then that's what our clinicians will spend time doing. If they... Um, if they focus on better relationships and better engagement and higher levels of satisfaction, then I think we're going. It's not that we shouldn't be focusing on quality performance, but if that's the only thing 
that people are asked to, um, you know, ha have as a priority, then it's just we're going to be tilted in the wrong direction. And I think today's measures are a reflection of yesterday's goals. I mean, that's that's the best we could do five years ago. So now it's the it's the mantra. Um, but I think the next step in terms of what, you know, Sidney Gar Garfield, our founder, said health should not be accessible. It should be irresistible. And how do you how do you make um, how do you make the all the little steps uh, uh, toward health, not barriers, but but not even steps, but just irresistible um, attractions. It's kind of like how, how I say to people, you know, diabetics, it reminds me of I've said, you know, a diabetic doesn't hope for a low hemoglobin A1C level. That's not their right. goal. No. They, they hope to have a, um, a long disability-free life expectancy, you know. Right. So I have two questions, um, and they're going to be, you can guess what the second one is after I ask the first one, which is, what's the most exciting thing going on in medicine, for, in your opinion, right now? That's a hard question. I know. Take take time. Don't worry. I think the most exciting thing that's going on in medicine is go is not going on in medicine. <laughs> I see it's going on outside of medicine, which is consumers are getting more engaged in their own care. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Paul Ann? And, I, I I would agree. It's it's not. Not in the minutiae, and even in the great new in, in interventions in our our profession, it's it's people. It, to me, it's Occupy Wall Street. That's pretty exciting. I mean, people are taking on, um, and, and and actually, one of the most exciting things I saw recently was internet sites that manage investments in microloans, uh, so that people can get a guaranteed return, and it, and and it disintermediates the banks. And when you look at how pharmaceuticalized and how big systemized medicine has become, that to me, the people taking control and taking their power back is the most exciting thing. And, and, and today when, when, when a patient asked me, I mean, every detail of a report that was about their, uh, her ankle, I thought, good for you, girl. <laughs> good for you. It took me more time, but I thought, gosh, this is the way it should be. I, I think secure. I think as a as a sort of a first volley uh, inside healthcare is probably the personal health records and secure secure email, secure messaging. I think um, it's a it's a phenomenal tool. Um, we've been rolling it out across. Uh, primary care and soon to be specialty care uh, at the VA, and it's just so um, it provides something that that offers people um, it, that that can really help meet their needs. People are using it as intended, um, and I think I think it's causing uh, the clinical team members to really start opening their eyes to these new tools. Mm -hmm. The challenge, um, the challenge is how do we, 
how do we make it so our 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 members, our enrollees, our patients trip over these tools when they come in uh, when they come into our systems? Um, they know about it. They understand that they're available. They begin to utilize them and then gain value. Um, you know, we have to think like supermarkets who pile up their sugar cereals at kids' level um, so they see them. Um, and it, and it, it all comes back to how we, how we make decisions and design what we do. Yeah, I, I echo that. You know, I, I think, Ted, and you've said this before too, uh, our bodies are a reflection of the systems we live in. And the systems we live in are our function of design and resources. And uh, how do you begin to design and uh, leverage resources in any community uh, toward optimal health? It's going to be a great journey. Mm -hmm. It is a great journey. And uh, I just say it's just great that, you know, I think for people listening is to know that, you know, what we see sometimes about physicians being pessimistic or not optimistic, they're really like that experience, Pauline, you had with your patient is that, you know, once they go from talking to doing, they realize how much better this is to be there for patients and in this way. Right. Right. Um, great. Well, that's all the questions I have. I'm going to, um, I'm going to close this out right now. And um, just one more time to find Sue. It's, Twitter, Sue Woods, S-U-E-W-O-O-D-S, Paul Ann, um, B-P-B-M-D-2. And um, we'll see you guys soon. Okay, Ted, thanks. thanks.